Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. This is a very Lincoln-heavy episode, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, this episode brought to you by Campbell Soup. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry for all those Lincoln stands out there. Uh, it's just not our cup of tea. So I <laughs> hope you can still enjoy this episode, even though we're going to be hating on him a lot. <laughs> um, before we get started we are a part of the but why though podcast community so be sure to check them out on twitter at but why though pc and their website at but why though podcast.com we are super proud to be a part of their community this is i actually did the numbers right season three <laughs> episode three i Wait. think you may have still transposed them <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very possible <laughs> yeah you meant the other three <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> this one is titled a wanted inhuman ha 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 so funny um hey, it's be it's better than tracks or one anything like is better than tracks or That's love of the or, or frenemy of my enemy uh, those, are the, those are the top three this is this is up there though it's probably number four <laughs> um i like how i remember all these stupid titles now but i don't remember any of the good ones well, the good ones are completely forgettable. <laughs> the bad ones are packed to punch. Yep. Um, this was written by Monica Owusu Breen, directed by Gary A. Brown. Originally aired October 13th, 2015. So we just jump right into it. Lincoln is running. And as I was watching this, I thought of Tom Cruise and our Tom Cruise hate about how he just runs and everything. And I was there's like, great. There's something to that. Yeah, right? <laughs> So he's running away from the ATCU and he runs he's up to running him. away from his own mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I can't. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so he runs over to this like what are they called like electrical it's not a substation but it's like those big electrical poles that they're in the parks somewhere. Oh god. I know what I you're know. talking about. Oh, anyway. I had it in my head, but I, I, lost, I just lost it. Anyway, he runs over to one and he overwhelms the electrical grid. And then there's like this showering of sparks. And oh, no, they can't follow him. And so he gets away. Good job, Lincoln. <laughs> I feel like with the resources the ATCU has, they would have had a helicopter available to just follow him. Because that's what cops do when they're chasing someone. But whatever. Anyway. Um, it's Lincoln, so I'm going to hate everything about his plot line. Um, Jess, it's the military. They don't have helicopters. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting confused between military and law enforcement. It's difficult. To, difficult. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, what logic? <laughs> There's no reason why they wouldn't be able to catch him other than uh, Lincoln's just too good. Dramatic. <laughs> He's just purpose. too good. Can't catch Lincoln. Nope, that electricity just gets away every time. Anyway, so we go to the base, and Gemma is very not okay. She's, like, having these, like, PTSD reactions to, like, light and sound. She turns the light on the bathroom. She has to turn it off. Like, the sound of the water running in the shower, like, freaks her out. She has to cover her ears. Um, 
and I and uh, everybody else is in the lab talking about her and <laughs> and what she's been going through, like her physically, like she's still recovering. She doesn't, you know, no signs of radiation or anything crazy. Like she seems okay. She's just she was on another planet. Um, so her body is recovering from that. And um, she talked about being hunted which is crazy. Um, and Colson's like, look, her physical health is, is good. She's on the mend. We're going to call in Dr. Garner to deal with her mental health now. And Daisy walks in. She's like, Lincoln's being hunted. We need to bring him in. And, um, <laughs> Mac and Colson have a secret. <laughs> so apparently they put a tracker in his arm and so they know where to find him. So he purchases a new phone and they're able to get the phone number. And he's like, how the fuck did you guys get this phone number? And Daisy's like, not important, uh, but you need to come with us. And he gets freaked out and realizes <laughs> that there's a tracker in his arm and he zaps it. And then he destroys the phone. I don't understand why he uses the electricity to zap the tracker, but not the phone. But whatever, he stomps on the phone and he's like in a riverbed in California somewhere running around. So, yeah, he's off. He's he doesn't want their help again because he's so defiant and mediocre. <laughs> uh, so we go to Massachusetts and Hunter and May are going into the pub and May is dressed like with a super dark eyeliner and like a blondie shirt and a leather jacket. Yeah, a, a sleeveless blondie shirt. She yeah. looks fucking cool as shit. She does, but it's just really funny. She's very much in costume, and Hunter's wearing like like soccer kit, like sweater, <laughs> and he's like gonna go talk with the other Brits. And I guess he's using some of his old um, mercenary covers, and you know, to to pretend to be an arms dealer. And um, May wants to get right down to business, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We gotta have a pint first, drink first, business later." And she has this line of, "Because you guys aren't hard enough to understand as it is." And so the <laughs> scene gets me every time. So they no, her, her reaction was fantastic. Yeah, because I always have this complaint too. I can never fucking understand British people or Australians because I'm like, oh, "You guys are speaking English, but I have no idea what you're saying." And it's really funny because, like, right after this, so. Hunter and his friend are like drinking and they actually have subtitles on the screen <laughs> because they're so hard to understand. And I was trying to like not look at the subtitles and I literally didn't know what they were saying. I was like, oh my God, this is too real. Um, but Hunter's friend is like kind of giving him this weird look. And so he, you know, it's, it, it's, it's focused. The shot is focused on that. So you get suspicious, like something's happening here. And apparently, um, his friend has buyers for their weapons, but they don't trust anyone. And so you have to fight your way into the circle, like literally fight. Like you have to go to a fight club and fight. So they're going to do this, I guess. We go back to Lincoln and he's on a Greyhound bus and there's a soldier on the bus with him and the news comes up on the TV and, and Lincoln is on the news. Soldier recognizes him. So Lincoln zaps the electricity on the bus and the bus stops and Lincoln gets up and walks away and the soldier runs after him. He's like, I know who you are. And he's like, you don't know who I am. And he like zaps. He like grabs the poles of the bus and electrifies them. So there's just like this electric current running up the ceiling and he has his hood on and he just has the most evil angsty like Anakin Skywalker going Sith style look on his face. And it's so eye rolly. So I think this is the scene where I was trying to justify in my head again why he's so bad. And in my head, I'm thinking that Luke Mitchell's just always thinking about all the people back at home and how they have to deal with magpies and goannas 
And he's like, 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 oh, did, you know, did my aunt remember to, you know, be, bring out the eggs or are they like going to get attacked right now? <laughs> well, well, like, like, I just think about like the time, like calculating the time difference. It's like, it's eight hours in tomorrow, into tomorrow right oh, now. Oh my God. Like, like. Did his aunt yeah. get thrown up on by a guana that ran up yeah. another person thinking it was a tree? <laughs> Yeah, while she was getting the mail, <laughs> like because that just fucking happens there. Were they oh. terrorized by magpies while getting to the car? <laughs> you know, it's like mm, probably. <laughs> like, that's gotta be. That's the way on you. Or it's, maybe uh... it was like the previous scene when May is like talking shit about accents. You know, people that speak English but have accents and how you, they can't be understood, and he's upset because his English or his American accent makes it so he. <laughs> He read that scene and he knows he's like, oh, my real my real accent when I'm drunk is indecipherable to these people and it hurts his feelings. Yeah. I just feel like this angst is not it's it's not earned. <laughs> not at all. I'm not buying any of it. Like no, nothing feels earned from him is the problem. No. Because of the weakness of acting, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's bad. Um Shield has to find Lincoln, and Daisy's super mad because I like she... how you said it's bad. But in my head, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, no, he sucks. But no, yeah. you know right, the story. But also, things are really bad. <laughs> All of it's bad. Uh, I literally wrote it's bad. No, I know you have it in the notes, but I'm still. I was just thinking, like, man, he sucks. I'm gonna bold it. That's so funny. So it has two meanings, bold and underlined. Two meanings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they have to find Lincoln, and Daisy's really upset because she feels like Colson undermined her when they put the tracker in his arm, uh, in Lincoln's arm. And Colson's like, Look, okay, when I told you I wanted you to make this team, I didn't know that there was going to be like a global like epidemic of inhuman oh transformation and that the MTCU was going to be formed. Like all this shit came up. I could not have predicted that. So we're doing things a little differently now. And she's like, okay, that's fair. Um, and suddenly Mac is an expert in finding people. Colson's like, okay, you found Rosalind's face. Like, can you go find her contact information? So he's going to go do that. So I don't know where that came from, but... Apparently, that's what he does now instead of being a mechanic. Um, I, I like, wait, wait, wouldn't that actually be something that Daisy's really good yes, at? Yes, <laughs> I was like, why is Mac doing this? Like, feels like something Daisy should do. Maybe Daisy <laughs> taught him the ways of finding people on the internet. I don't He's know. feeling very much like ludicrous going from being a guy who soups up cars in Fast and Furious 2 to being a the world's greatest hacker in like a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird yeah i was just like wait that's part of his skill set i don't think i don't think so but whatever um so Gemma is still getting used to the earth's gravity and fitz is walking her around the lab and he's like really he's like look everything's the same just how you left it and he's like so excited and she's having like sensory overload from the sounds and the light and she's just like i'm really sorry i'm just not used to so many distractions like i was like running for my life and um, I, I, I'm sorry that, you know, if I'm disappointing you with my reaction and Fitz is like, no, it's fine. Let's take you back to your room and it's all good. But you can tell Fitz is a little disappointed. It's fine. But she's having a hard time. He's trying to be patient. Maybe. <laughs> it's like the tables have turned. <laughs> um, and Hunter calls Bobby or I can't remember. Hunter calls Bobby. Bobby calls Hunter. I think Bobby calls Hunter. And, um, 
you know, she's asking like what's going on and Hunter lies to her. He's like, oh, you know, I'm bored. You know, we're just still trying to find our lead to Ward and we can't find it. And they hang up and May's like, you lied to her. And he's like, yeah, but she knows I'm lying to her and it just kind of works for us. So it's fine. And he's like, you know how it is being a spy and being in love. It's it's hard to be in a real it's hard to be us and be in a relationship. And it's funny because I feel like last season, if Hunter would have had that conversation with May, May would have been like, I don't like you. Shut up. But she's kind of like dealing with she's like yeah she, I mean she doesn't say anything but she's not making a face like I don't like you <laughs> shut up <laughs> no for sure she she, she uh, I don't know I feel she, like, I she, think she like I think she agrees I think she's like yeah it is a hard life to to be a spy and, well, and yeah and I don't think I was gonna say I don't think she she like loves him but, but she doesn't uh, like she's not irritated by him like she used to be oh god I, I kind of miss that though because that scene when they're in Japan and like hunter is like saying all these things and she's like i know you know i don't care right (laughs) or you know i don't like you right (laughs) comedic goals oh my god um so um apparently may is the one who wants to go into this fight ring and he's like no like these are the type of guys that will talk if a small asian woman goes in and kicks everybody's ass you're gonna be recognized and ward's gonna figure out who you are it has to be me Um, and, uh, Hunter tells her that they had a bet going on the base, um, about who left who, whether Andrew left May or May left Andrew. And he's like, it for sure was you left him. Like, and she's like, how much money do you have on that? And he's like, I have a lot. And she's like, well, sorry, because Andrew left me. Oh, shit. Was not not expecting that. No, and like I feel like twofold. You don't expect that to be what happened, and you don't expect her to reveal that to him. No, because she didn't like, like him. <laughs> no, and, and I feel like this underscores that. Well, I still I don't think she does particularly like him. She doesn't dislike him anymore, which yeah. is which is nice for their relationship. Undercuts some of the comedic potential, but it is <laughs> is good for for their relationship. And yeah. just, like. It's just cool. It's just like the what we mentioned in the previous episode with Fitz and and uh, Bobby becoming friends. It's like everybody who didn't have a connection before is starting to, to develop some kind of one. Even if the, if this one is the older sister and the kid brother who's like, hey, watch, I can do this. <laughs> like falling over, trying to stand on his head, which sort of feels like the Hunter May vibe. But she's just like rolling her eyes and being like, holy shit. Instead of being like, get the fuck away from me. Which, yeah. Which to be fair is also sort of like, it's almost like the teenage sister with the little brother versus the sister back from college and the tween brother (laughs) like it's like like there's the same dynamic they've just both grown yeah yeah that's very i like that a lot (laughs) it's totally true um so i don't know if this is true or not but i put this in the notes and i I didn't confirm it but i i was gonna see felt the same way so lincoln calls someone to pick him up and i said it was his old sponsor yeah, I mean, there's... Because he asked him if he's been drinking, and he said no. There's references to that several times, and then, uh, spoiler for the episode, he says that he ca- he saved his he says he saved his life, and he says I was on a ledge this time. Yeah, and on I think like on the wiki or whatever, it says like it very literally. I don't think we can take it that necessarily. I don't think it necessarily shouldn't be taken literally. He might have okay. been on a ledge, but I think that. 
to me, it makes just as much sense that he he is his sponsor, and that's how he saved his life, and that's how like because he used drinking to deal with the powers, and it got out of control, and he had to go to AA, and yeah. like, it makes sense. It's something that it, it is one of the more endearing components of the character, even though it feels unearned. Even though I think it's pretty well written, just because again the, the performance isn't super compelling. Yeah. Well, I feel like from this point on in the episode, I feel a little bit softer towards Lincoln. Um, I feel like the performance is a little better. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so his old sponsor picks him up and apparently he's like, oh, I'll I'll pay for the tolls on the way home. And apparently he robbed the ATM because the ATM is like freaking out from being fried, probably. Um, and the sponsor, his name's John. John takes him to his house and he's like, you know, I'll make some dinner like, you know, take a shower, take a nap, do what you got to do. You know, I'm here for you if you need me. And then he goes into the kitchen. He sees the news and Lincoln is all over the news. Oh, no. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Rosalind Price and her, I don't know this guy's name, the bald guy that works for her. I have never he, looked. <laughs> he is, uh, I, I, when I made sure, you know, there weren't any comic connections that was missing. I went through everybody, and he is somebody, uh, I believe his character is named Kibo. Kibo, okay. Or Kebo, uh, and he is played by a, an, an actor and a stuntman named Daz Crawford. Oh, okay. And he's someone who I think they worked with before as a stuntman, and they liked him so much. Uh, right. they, they, they used him as this character, and then let me see what it says. Uh, yeah, so, so th th he'd been a stunt, stunt actor and then he was used as Daz or as Kibo, uh, in SOS part two. And oh. they were only going to use him for the one appearance, but they liked him so much. They brought him back for, uh, season three. So in SOS part two, he's just, you know, one of the, one of the different, uh, agents throughout, throughout the episode. There's just a okay. bunch of other people. Like he's got Ann Weaver, Agent Oliver. Yeah, uh, this is one of the first ones with Lincoln Campbell and uh, Agent Thirteen. Okay. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Very so yeah, he was originally just going to be in that one episode in, in, in during season two uh, towards the oh, yeah in, in the end. Yeah, the, the very the end finale. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I like that. They do that a lot in this show. It's <laughs> true. It, it's true. They're good at it, and like in a weird way, it takes the place. Uh, as they move farther and farther away from comic book connections, like it's kind of cool that they either have other MCU connections or stuff uh, that refers to their own past or what. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, Rosalind Price and Kibo are in the car and she's like, we need to get results. Like, this is not good. And then a phone call comes in from the White House and she's like, oh, you know, put it into my screen in the back of the seat. And it's not the White House, it's Coulson. <laughs> and he wants to meet... Um, and before she agrees, Kibo gets a phone call saying that they know Lincoln's location. And so she agrees to meet with Colson once she, uh, she realizes that they have a, they know where Lincoln is. So they're going to meet. Um, and, uh, Daisy goes to see Gemma on the base, which is, uh, I just love their friendship so much. And Daisy's like, I'm really sorry. I haven't come sooner. It's been really crazy. Like, if you want to talk, like I'm here to listen. And, and Gemma very clearly doesn't want to talk about what happened to her. She wants to know what's been going on. And so Daisy kind of updates her on what's been happening. And, um, we go back to the scene with, or we go back to, uh, John and Lincoln and, and John's being weird. 
It's like, what's going on? And there's <laughs> like, like John's like, you're an alien. And I don't know. Are any pictures? metal bat and there's just like Lincoln feels so betrayed and there's so much man pain in the scene like they don't know what to do and so Lincoln zaps the bat and he sends his friend into cardiac arrest and he kills his friend on accident and he called <laughs> yeah there's like there's some level of cheesiness to it just because he's like you kill people I've never killed anybody it's all yeah. misunderstanding <gasps> I killed you yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, shit, I spoke too soon, I guess. I guess I am a monster. Well, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's like he's had so much control over his power so far. Like, the first time we see them, like, before I think he even appears, it's like, there's, like, very, he does very precise, like, stuff with his electricity. He can lift people up with his electricity. Yeah. But he accidentally kills some dude. Like, it's like, I don't know, man. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why didn't he use the kind of electricity that doesn't electrocute people and just picks them up? (laughs) (laughs) Because that exists. (laughs) Yeah, because maybe they shouldn't have established that exists a couple episodes ago. Also, the special effects, like the way they use them in general, like they're better than they were when I was critical of them a few episodes ago. But they still have that like flare point where they come from these palms that like when it either starts or from certain angles, it's just like cheesy. <laughs> like the rest of it, it, it did look very good. It didn't look like there was a rope light with a blur effect. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now he knows he has gone too far, calls Daisy to come get him. And so they're going to go after him. So both the ATCU and S.H.I.E.L.D. are coming after Lincoln. Um, we go back to the base and Bobby's doing her rehab. She's exercising her leg and she asks, and Fitz is there hanging out with her. And um, he asks, or she asks about Simmons and she reminds him that he needs to be patient. And we talked about this last episode, but this friendship is just lovely. Like the, the parallels here between, I mean, she wasn't even really around that much for Fitz's recovery in season two because she was undercover, but it's just really nice to see Fitz being able to help someone else. But also she's like, you know, giving him relationship advice, like big sister, like, you know, it's so cool. Cause like, and like, and what's nice is we, we brought it up last time because she, you know, because Colson refers to how she was already working with Fitz mm-hmm. to get, uh, to try to, 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 to find Jimmo when everyone else had given up. And in this one, we see, like you say, she's giving him advice and he's in kind being like, Hey, there's like a, an advantage to rehab. You know, I, it helped me like, just because I can explain it to you like this proves that it's really beneficial. And, uh, and the way she like, is like, Hey, maybe she's thinking about this. Maybe, maybe she's sad about all the things she missed with you and all the time she's missed out on. Maybe you should try and build new memories and focus on the future you're going to build together instead of trying to dwell on, on past stuff that might, be really make everything really hard and she miss misses the mark spoilers <laughs> like, like like but yeah all she's saying i don't think it's untrue it's just not the real reason why yeah she's well i think she's just trying to bring a different perspective right to and, him, and she does a good job of that just helping him think about the situation differently and because that's exactly what he says like i never thought of that right i the big benefit of what she says and it is really still true even though it's not necessarily 100 right is that she gets him to try to think about it from her point of view more instead of like mm-hmm. instead of because it's not that he wasn't before but he was just thinking about it from a very rigid kind of 
like black and white perspective and, and not thinking about it, like it, 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 in more nuanced terms of how it must be for her and all the different yeah. ways that it must be weird for her. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a really great moment. And but like you said, continu- continuing her, uh, her growing friendship, Bob, Bobby and Fitz's uh, relationship is really, really well done. It's a, a highlight of this episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next scene is Colson at the beach and it's Long Beach because I know <laughs> they film a lot of this in Long Beach and I recognize it. And he's meeting Rosalind there and she has a vintage car that Colson likes very much. And it's funny. She has this line. She's like, eyes up here. And he's like, sorry, because <laughs> he's staring whole, at the car. Their exchange is great. He's like, does she have a name? And he's like, no, she's she, or he's like, no, it's just a car. It's like also it's a man or it's a boy not a he it's not a she and like uh, colson digs it like what like 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 there's but like you said before uh that they're having a meeting and like i in my head like it was like they're having a meet cute like this they're setting up yeah well and it's funny too because he starts throwing dad jokes at him about his hand like you unarmed me and oh yeah she does not stop but but it feels right up colson's alley well it's weird like she's a different kind of uh, i don't know of cool and confident and badass but like the same ways that we've already seen like this growing uh fondness and closeness between i think colson and may and this like repartee i feel like they have a, a similar sort of uh bu- budding on flirtatious dynamic right from the get-go yeah they're they're definitely two peas in a pod like they speak each other's language perfectly with between the cars and the dad jokes and just the the witty like you said witty repartee like it's it's pretty funny it's they're funny. espionage <laughs> nerds they are <laughs> so funny um and anyway he so he tells rosalind that she's going about this in the wrong way like shield has expertise and all of this stuff and um rosalind's like look like your organization like nobody knows about it like the public needs to know that um you know that all these all these things are being dealt with like on a government level and so the atcu was created by the vacuum of shield being not there this Uh, this is why i uh last episode why would you brought up the joke about the she about the shield logos and the cars which spoilers for the future they bring back yeah uh, it's the same reason like there's why there's actual fbi cars and whatnot and like like what she's talking about some stuff is should should be secret it's like i i think that the joke should be that not all of their cars should have a yeah. logo on. Like, sometimes doing you want to that- go and like assure people hey we're here and we're here to keep everybody safe like when it's something like 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 when they took down Waco, it's like there's nothing about being secret. It's like yeah. they're making a public statement. Like, like like that's different than when they are being you know. When undercover. Ward is doing an undercover mission in right. like Belarus, like maybe but not see, the best time to use a shield car. It's <laughs> the same thing. It's like if there's like three different uh, phases just for like regular police work. You know, cars. Yeah. We have actual cop cars where it's a uniform car where we see. Yeah, it's a Crown Victoria. It's black and white or whatever. It's got everything painted on it. Or they've got not undercover but not marked cars where they have their sirens and they pull them out if they need them. And then they have people who are undercover who have cars on duty who are completely fucking undercover and will not reveal who they are. And I think like it's the same – It to me it makes sense that it's the same sort of thing applied to it because it is 
international law enforcement as well yeah. as it, it's 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 paramilitary slash you know international law enforcement slash espionage, which is like actually sort of what the combination of the FBI and CIA really do in the U.S. But it's also just weird because it's got guys. I don't know. It, it all feels disingenuous at all when you're like, oh, we got to be undercover, but then we're going to have somebody who comes in with earthquake powers. <laughs> like, it's like, well, like, yeah. like, you know, it's like yeah. eventually there's a cat suit spoilers. Like, yeah. it's like, I, I, I'm not so sure we're trying to be subtle. <laughs> well, I think now is the time to not be subtle because obviously everybody, like all these people with powers are popping up and like everybody knows about the Avengers and it's not a secret anymore, but like pre-Avengers Shield, maybe we should have been more undercover because nobody really knew about aliens and gods and- True, you know, and it seemed like there was people. more, there was more of a, a men in black sort of aspect mm-hmm. to it where they were trying to cover it up. Yeah. Whereas now they can't after the yeah. battle, battle of New York or whatever. It's like you just got to roll with it. Everybody knows now. And so like Rosalind has a point about how the public needs to know that there's somebody out there like there is an agency out there that has. Well, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because like Colson is like, hey, like we let us take Lincoln in. We know how to deal with this please like give this to us and she doesn't budge she's like no we need a win we need like a public like relations win essentially <laughs> we, we, we threatened to put our uh, foot on the throat of the, the soup company and his grandma cave told us where he was oh my god jared <laughs> <laughs> old lady uh, campbell lady campbell okay i moved <laughs> <laughs> um so Hunter and May show up at this like pit fight area because he has to fight his way into Hydra and it does not look good. Like the guys in the pit are getting the shit beat out of them and Hunter's like, okay, I'm going in and it's his friend that's going to fight him. And he's like, wait, I thought we were mates. And apparently he has some vendetta against him. And so they're going to fight and he's getting his ass kicked. And then all of a sudden there's these big dudes that are like circling May and they're like, hey, let's get you a drink. And she's like, I'm not thirsty. And they're like, I'm going to ask you that again. And so they pull her into this room and she goes and she has this smirk on her face because obviously, you know, she's going to beat the shit out of them. So she's in this room and they're like, oh, she's like, all right, who's first? And she just like kicks everybody's ass. And she's like very clearly been waiting for a fight like it's been a while and she needed to do this and she's like oh i won't tell anybody that you got your ass kicked by a small asian woman don't worry and then she goes back upstairs and hunter he does not look good he is covered in blood he is not doing well he's getting thrown against the wall against the floor he is getting his ass beat and so he has brass knuckles in his pocket and he pulls out his brass knuckles because apparently there are no rules. And he punches his friend in the face with the brass knuckles and he kills him. And he just has this horrified look on his face afterwards. And it's like, OK, this is what this is the job. This is what you have to do to get and, into Hydra. You and may your soul. <laughs> yeah, and may almost looks at him like, I can't believe you. Like in a weird yeah. way, in a weird way where it's like quite that full on, but it is a little bit judgy. And I was like, really, man? Like, really? I know, I know, May of all people. But I mean, like, I I don't think, she, I think it was more like she didn't think he would go there than it was like, I'm judging you, you know, because Hunter's like a, even though he's like a mercenary spy dude, he's he's a soft boy on the inside. <laughs> like. That's fair. Um, 
Rosalind and, and Coulson are still talking and he's like trying to, he's like, what's it going to take? And he's like, I know you have an ace up your sleeve. And apparently they know about Daisy and she's like, yeah, she has no records anywhere. And so we know that she's powered. We know that she's inhuman. And Coulson's like, what do I have to do to keep this quiet? So we go to Lincoln. Daisy finds him. There's all this man pain. He's like, I killed someone. I'm exactly who they say I am. I'm so sad. I don't deserve anything. And okay. As much as I hate Lincoln, Daisy, Chloe in this scene is fucking amazing. Like, she is so compelling. She's like, you are the reason that I'm here. Like, you gave me hope. You gave me purpose. And, like, the ca- I'm so glad that the camera focuses mostly on her because otherwise it would the scene would have killed it for me. But I spoke too soon because then they kiss and that kills it. <laughs> no, it does. And Lincoln agrees to work with them. He's like, I'll go with you, but I'm working with you, not with them. Um, But it's too late because Mac shows up and opens the door and the ATCU walks in after them. And he's like, sorry, it's Coulson's orders. And he's very unhappy. And Daisy's very unhappy. And so Lincoln zaps everybody and runs away. And then uh, Kibo's like, all right, cool. Well, he got away, so we're going to take you instead. And Daisy's like, wait, what the fuck? She's like, do you know what I can do? And he's like, oh, I have snipers on all the roofs. How far do your powers extend? And there's kind of this standoff. Um, and she was like, how precise can they be? And that, and uh, at that point, uh, Mac pulls out a gun and puts it to Kibo's head, which is so like not characteristically Mac. No. Like, I'd, I'd say pretty precise. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, 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 I think I think we know what we're doing. Yeah. Which is just like his willingness to go to bat for Daisy again. It's like another uh, example of these f- strong friendships and bonds. Because like that's I all know. it is. You know it. He doesn't give a shit about Lincoln. No. <laughs> like, like, like he, he doesn't want to sell out anybody, but he's very pragmatic about a lot of, about a lot of yeah. stuff. And he and, knows that like Lincoln's you know better Lincoln than Daisy, and so he's like, oh, now that we're going for Daisy, absolutely not. <laughs> like, nope, not happening. <laughs> um, so then they get a call because apparently Coulson made another deal, and so the ATCU leaves, and um, we don't find out what that is until another scene. Um, actually, we'll just talk about that real quick, because then we'll go back to the other scene. Um, so Coulson um is talking with with Daisy in his office and he's like having to justify to her like handing over Lincoln versus her and um he the the deal that he made is that he is going to go work with the ATCU like he's going to be a consultant for them and Daisy's like uh what are you doing and he's like look I'm tired of like picking sides like we all need to combine our resources and work together and he just kind of like dad lectures her because she's like kind of sassy she's like okay I hope you know what you're doing and he's like yeah I do <laughs> and it's really like I don't know it's just a really funny scene because their relationship is just so father-daughter but it's also very like colleague colleague it's not necessarily like director subordinate at all well, I don't think I, I feel like it, it's well I mean there's still that respect of director subordinate and father-daughter like but also it's I feel like um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen similar uh, experiences like in multiple aspects of your life as well. But the one thing, the one dynamic that comes out uh, to mind for me is there's a period of time uh, I lived with all of them for one year when I was out of college. It was the first year that they all lived together. But my parents took in my uh, dad's mom 
and w- growing up, I lived with my mom's mom as my uh, living nanny with my brothers and I. And it was like a mutually beneficial situation. She needed a place to live. They needed help with childcare, mm-hmm. and uh, like it was not the same. Like literally, when my when my father's mom moved in with them, like she needed uh, a place to live. And, like that, like she needed the financial stability and whatnot. Like my mom thought to extend the offer. Like you know, my mom lived with us. You can do the same for your mom. And my dad's response about his own mother was like, "My mom is not the same as your mom, Diana." <laughs> He's like, "It's like it's not the same." And, and like, like, it's it, and it became this relationship where, like, even though he he had a respect for her and a love for her and like a weird deference because he, she's his mother. At the same time, it's like the dynamic would shift whenever it made sense, whenever he was in the right. And he, even though he was an old man (laughs) to some extent, compared to her, he was so young. And it's the same thing. Like to me, it's like a young person when they actually know what the hell they're talking about, they're not going to back down just because it's the mother figure or father figure. Like they're going to be like, no, (laughs) like, like, like you're totally wrong about this. And like at this point, I think that's why sometimes it doesn't feel like she's at all <laughs> supporting it because she's just not going to take any shit. Yeah. And she's not going to be afraid to call him out at this point after, you know, alien writing and whatnot. Right. Exactly. They've been through a lot together. Like, I think she's earned that right. <laughs> I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think he recognizes that. Like, she, he's elevated her maybe even a little bit out of necessity because May left for months, you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. But, but I think that. In addition to that, she just did earn it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny. <laughs> He's like, no. And she's like, yes. <laughs> no, they're arguing. He's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, so we go to this really sad scene, and Fitz um, decides to take Bobby's advice, and he takes Gemma out to dinner. So apparently they're going to the restaurant that he made reservations at months ago, and they em- he had the entire restaurant emptied so she wouldn't be surrounded by distractions, which is really sweet. And they sit down and the restaurant brings wine and, you know, Fitz is like, you know, you don't have to, Gemma's like, thank you so much for everything. He's like, you don't have to say anything. Like, let's just, just be here. And she starts looking at the menu and she starts getting overwhelmed and she just starts crying and Fitz goes and sits next to her and she's just sobbing as Fitz holds her and you know something's up. It's so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking because Fitz just wants to get back to normal and she very clearly cannot yet. Well, and she, and like, she, you don't, we don't know as viewers if you're if the, what's causing her exactly. Like, you know, the P- PTSD is messing her up, but there's clearly something going on that she just can't even say. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she said to Daisy, she doesn't want to talk about it. There's like stuff where she, where she walks away from Fitz. It's like, Something there's 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 something else going on, and it's I, I feel like it, it's being very well acted and subtly performed because it's nonverbal, but like you can tell that one of the things that's making her freak out so much is that she wants to say something to Fitz that she doesn't feel like she can. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's like that. It hurts. Like it, it all really hurts because she's still so. Like, like in that first scene when she comes back in the end of the previous episode, the tag, you know, she puts her head on his on his leg while he's already asleep next to her, uh, you know, and in in this when he comes and turns into his chair or moves to a chair next to her and puts his arm around her like she leans into him like she wants to 
connect with him again, but she can't. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's painful. It's so painful because they're both hurting. Like, yeah. Really, they're really raw. And you know, like, that she's just gone through some shit. Yeah. We get to find out very soon. And I think two episodes from now, we find out what happens. Um, so we go back to the base and Mac is playing video games and um, asks Daisy to join him. And apparently um, Mac overheard the conversation between her and Lincoln. So he knows that she has feelings for him. Ew, I don't know why, but he didn't tell Colson. And so Daisy's like, thanks for not telling him. <laughs> thanks for not telling dad. <laughs> um. It's really sweet. Again, their relationship is great as always. But uh, I had forgotten that they were partners um, in this season. I, I didn't remember like how that happened. So I'm. Um, this is nice. This is nice to see them together like this in these moments. Um, and then Hunter, who looks horrible, goes back to meet with uh, Ward's henchman dude. And geez, this is the price of getting to meet with Hydra. So he got what he wanted. And the very end scene is Bobby is in rehab and, you know, she's going about her business. She's walking down the hall and she goes into the lab and she's like, Simmons, what are you doing? And Simmons is looking at the monolith rocks that they recovered from um, when the monolith was destroyed by Daisy. And um, Bobby's like, look, don't worry, like they're not active anymore. And Simmons is like, no, but they might be. We need to learn about them. And Bobby's like, they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt anyone. She's like, no, I need to go back. <laughs> What the fuck? It's like, didn't oh. you see that season of Lost? It's so good. Uh. Let's just go into spoiler section. Oh, no, you have, do you have comic stuff to talk about? I have pseudo comic connections, okay. but they're super brief uh, because they're not real, but, but they're interesting to me. Uh, so, and, and they're like, like I said, they're more, I, I said in the previous episode that lately we'll have less comic connections, I think, and more um, like MCU connections and whatnot. So, uh, the guy who is the first dude who kind of goes after May, who's a creep, the big dude, mm -hmm. uh, he's credited as name, being named Tats. It's the only episode he appears in. He's got a bunch of tattoos. His name is Devin Long, is the actor. He also appears in the MCU show, quote-unquote, MCU Runaways, as a character named Kincaid. He's got a big bushy beard a bunch of neck tattoos as well because he just doesn't have them covered up. And he's uh and he works security at a company called Wizard and exists in California. And because of a timeline and whatnot, theoretically, I don't think May killed that dude. Like like it didn't seem like it. She she like was like, hey, don't you know, you know, you you, you don't uh, have to tell your friends that you, you were beaten up by a little Asian girl or whatever. Because yeah. there's they could comment about it before. Like she she makes a, a good comeback about it. Uh, even though they didn't say anything, but uh, Hunter was right with his like estimation of, of, of how how kind of uh, these guys would see people. I think very stereotypically that underestimate her and whatnot, and they just didn't want word, word to get back to Ward, which yeah. or anyone from Hydra, which I think is reasonable. But uh, this guy could, I guess, be the same dude. He could end up working security for this tech company and go. <laughs> oh uh, so I'm okay with that. I'm sure if we bug Jeff Loeb on social media, that's what he would say. Uh, uh, but the the part that I thought was more interesting, because we uh, oftentimes mention people who uh, play multiple comic characters, he mm. was also Flex Mentallo, who is the like, 
the it's just he comes from Doom Patrol, which if anyone watches the show, you can see him there. He plays exactly the same character he plays in the comics as he is on the, the show. But uh, I mean, they, they do a little bit of changes here and there, but it's all very, very true to the, to the source material on that one. But it's also like the trippiest fucking comic book. Like it started off as like kind of weird, like it was DC's version of Fantastic Four and X-Men sort of at the same time in a lot of ways. Like, And it was very wacky and like uh, uh, they had crazier and crazier villains and, and circumstances. In the original situation, one of their villains was Monsieur Mala and the Brain. Monsieur Mala was a French gorilla and the Brain was a disembodied brain who was a super scientist. Oh, and they were okay. both men and they were in love. <laughs> as what? well yeah the fuck yeah uh and but like then the main heroes uh he was a test pilot who was in a crash and now he's covered in burns but he can become a disembodied energy spirit uh and there's a woman named elastigirl who is uh rita Farr, who was like a, an actress in the 50s and a movie star who ended up becoming uh super stretchy but doesn't have complete control <laughs> over her powers and uh, Cliff Steele is Robot Man. He was a race car driver. He was in a car wreck. Uh, his brain was put in a big orange robot <laughs> called Robot Man. Wow. And, and it turns out eventually, like, the big crazy dark comic book twist is that Niles Calder, the guy who got them together, is in a wheelchair just like Professor X and the X-Men. Uh, the chief, he caused all the things that gave them their powers and wow. there's a bunch of other trippy characters but this dude Devin Long uh he played uh Doom uh, in Doom Patrol he played Flex Mentallo who's this character who is based on like the old ads from the 50s of the uh of uh the old ads in the 50s for the guys who were like muscle men it would be mm-hmm. like you know oh you know you don't any you don't want to get uh picked on by the guy at the at the beach anymore <laughs> you know so <laughs> So here's how you get super strong. Like, like it was an ad for how to become strong, like Flex Mentallo. And this ad was eventually brought to life. And his powers are his when he when he flexes his muscles, he alters reality. So like wow. it's it's the most trippy, crazy, comic booky, like weird for weird sake crap you could imagine. And he plays him pretty great on the, the DC Universe show. I, I, I highly recommend that show in general. And he's his his episode is pretty amazing. Uh, in this, he almost try he tries to sexually assault May, and yeah. she beats the shit out of him and two of his friends. It's really satisfying because she beats up three uh, assholes. But he also it's nice that that dude also plays like a really a really like super wholesome character, but who's also totally insane <laughs> uh, yeah. pretty well. Uh, and and I find that uh, find that character very enjoyable. But uh, yeah, that that's a, my weird not Marvel comic connection, but also very minor MCU connection. He's an actor who's been double cast in MCU shows. When he flexes his muscles, he alters reality. I feel like that's some like wishful thinking there from some guy. Like... I think <laughs> I, I I feel like it's maybe. Like mocking that stuff, to yeah. some level, just because of the guy types of guys who created it. Like yeah, they didn't yeah, have yeah. any muscle. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I'm gonna be so ripped. Yeah, there weren't there weren't any guys who were ripped then. I mean, there are yeah. definitely guys like that who work out in comics now, but uh, they're very nerdy, and uh, I think it's very really, it's super absurd. Like each muscle, like does something different. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> 
like like alters reality in some minute bizarre way he flexes his glutes and uh, <laughs> something the weather changes or whatever like it's it's amazing wow i thought i have heard i had heard all the weird things oh we have I not know. scratched the surface account. i know we it's haven't weird. but i, I, I don't, i'm surprised every time <laughs> oh my god you know, it's it's reverse mind over matter is how it's, it's how it's described Oh, good lord. Good lord. Matter so over weird. Vast but ill-defined powers. Vast. <laughs> ill-defined. He's the most extreme exertion of his powers in the comics. At one point, he changed the Pentagon into a circular building by flexing a muscle. Wow. But only while flexing it. Once he stopped, it went back. It went back? Oh, yeah. my God. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. I it's I think it's a good thing that you got into comics as a kid because <laughs> I don't I like I want to, but then I hear these things from you and I'm just like I could not read this. And, well, well like, just keep in mind too that like comics are so much more than superhero comics and even superhero comics like this is the weird this is the weird shit. <laughs> like, I mean, I read I read Saga, so Yeah, so I, like like clearly yeah. Which has some weird stuff too, like not, not at all like that. Yeah, <laughs> non sequitur. <laughs> oh God, um, God, what are we even talking about? I'm so like disoriented. <laughs> now. Oh, oh, we. I think I, I was doing the comic connection, so we had just okay. seen. You were like, should we go to spoilers? Yeah, so, should we? Yeah, yeah, let's go to spoilers because yeah. I want to talk about Gemma because holy shit. So spoiler section time for everybody who hasn't watched ahead, which if you haven't, get on that because it gets interesting. Yeah, oh Gemma slept with, a, with an ancient undying uh, inhuman, like a Cree inhuman uh, colonist called Hive, I think. Was he Hive while they were sleeping together or was he Hive after? Have you... Spoilers for her uh, up to date, everything. Uh, a couple, not not the most recent Shield, but the one before. Oh, I haven't, I haven't watched, I haven't watched it yet. So yeah, I remember you mentioning this to there's, me. I had never, I had never thought of it before, but at one point, there's after, after they're reunited, uh, Fitz asks Gemma, like, brings it up, like, do we even really know if he had been transformed yet? Like, like we don't really know, do we? And she's like, uh, and it's so upsetting because it feels oh, like something no. that somebody must have thought about in the writer's room, like, yeah. brought up or something. He's like, hey, wait a second. Well, because I just thought of it and I hadn't even, I didn't even realize that that thing to think about. Right? Because, like, they don't really, <laughs> they don't, it's really ill defined. Like, did she ever know the real him? Like, we don't know because like, like there's a dude who she thinks is an astronaut, but who you eventually find out is a, is a version of the people, the, the British cult introduced in the previous episode. Uh, and that like they were the cult of Hive that became Hydra and they sent dudes in space as recently as like the 70s or whatever to send people or 90s to send yeah. people there. And so one of these guys who went not through, I think, necessarily through the obelisk or maybe they did but either way they were in a spacesuit. yeah they, they uh one of these dudes survived a long time or was taken over by hive by this monster oh no 
I can't which, believe we don't know. <laughs> oh, it's super gross because because either way, whether I've mind fucking Gemma or a, a real human dude who was Hydra and maybe not a great dude, but not an inhuman monster made of hive mind microscopic thingies or whatever. Uh but uh, like worms, like I don't know, whatever they are. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But but she uh, eventually like fell for this guy who kind of helped helped her. Like like he didn't exactly rescue her. She was doing okay, but he did help her like get, find an easier, quicker path to sustain survival because he'd already developed the system in a place and whatnot. Oh. She was on this harsh alien world, but like so she went through PTSD and she eventually like even though the whole time. She kept focusing on getting back to Fitz and getting to start her life with Fitz. Like she was like she like keeps talking about it and thinking about like their date because they have in this episode or or the previous episode or whatever. Like like, like uh, at, at the restaurant, like it was a reservation that had been held repeatedly. Like yeah, that he kept months. extending the reservation yeah. the entire time she was gone. She's like, oh, you held it. Like like it meant something to her. And like I think that we now see that this pain that she was feeling is partially because she is now like feeling really tortured because she still has feelings for this guy who she's left behind, who she doesn't know at this point, at this point has definitely it either happened while like, like shortly before Fitz rescues her, he was c- captured by what she thought was the monster. We find out his hive yeah. or it was hive playing high mind game with it the whole time. Yeah. E- either way uh, at this point, she doesn't know, but he has been, killed and possessed by this monster yeah and uh she believes that she has left behind a guy who she's now has feelings for and she also feels guilty for even having feelings for him because she feels like she's betrayed Fitz somehow even though she's done nothing wrong and she knows it and i think spoiler alert you know Fitz knows it as soon as she explains it he doesn't feel any resentment towards her at all he's just sad about it <laughs> but, but god, their story is so god they're both just such good people like at this point fitz's lines are blurred as time goes on but like yeah they're just there's they're just such fucking good eggs like right now they're little sweet people who want to do good and want to do right and they just have all these obstacles thrown in their way for no reason well and also just the fact that like Simmons is she had she's like feels like all these levels different levels of guilt <laughs> for like, like it just sucks because like she shouldn't like like look for surviving yeah when this other guy she, she doesn't know and yeah. eventually she does know that he got yeah. fucking ganked by a monster Ugh. yeah it's just so many levels of fucked up oh, my god <sighs> I'm glad that we got to focus on that at the end of this rather than Lincoln. I think I <laughs> shit on Lincoln plenty. <laughs> true. Oh. That's true. It was a good, uh, good episode for, for Lincoln fodder. Oh God. Why is he just, that's, he's, almost... not, he's, he's at large still like they still don't have him. <laughs> like... I, I almost mentioned it. Uh, the last episode was the first one he hasn't appeared in since he started appearing regularly since uh, like in the previous season. Is that why it was such a good episode? 
I think maybe. <laughs> I mean, this was a good episode too, but no, it was, was a and, lot of Lincoln. And uh, in the in the other episode, where I talked about how I felt like the performances uh, from from uh, James Hong and and Ming Na Wen and their scenes together, and then just in general, you mentioned like like all just the strength of the of the scenes and the story where everyone's helping Fitz try to get Gemma back, where it was really elevated award uh, centric mm-hmm. plot episode as well. And similarly, I think uh, the strength of of a lot of this stuff, you know, and and the subplots yeah. here are what get us as viewers more interested. The stuff with Rosalind yeah. and and Coulson and they're developing a relationship, which also spoilers, as you brought up, I think, in in the yeah. premiere, uh, they then eventually become a couple. Yeah, which really right. was like a like just a, a meet cute, and they really like. I definitely didn't pick up on it the first time I saw it. No, but, but you do now, don't you? Oh, it's so <laughs> obvious. Like, yeah. they're just like, oh, come on, we're fixing them up. Like, like yeah. once they realize they really are on the same page, it's just going to be when it sucks. Because it is the closest thing to fridging I think we might get on this show. And I, I don't think it's fair because I don't think that's exactly what it is. But anytime. I, I think it is. It sucks. It's And it's terrible. And it's... Ugh. We'll I think it is. We'll get well, there. <laughs> well, uh, well, I don't know. I, if, yeah. When I think of it just in terms of, of purely like the idea of fridging where it's just it's a woman who's just created yeah, to, just. to motivate a, a man. I don't think that's entirely what happens necessarily. It's just, at least it's not the feeling. And I, I think it's mo- probably mostly because I want to give Mo benefit of the doubt, like always. But yeah. at the same time, whether or not there's a little nuanced difference and, and the intention is there or whatnot, and it doesn't really matter if it's functionally the same thing, right? Like, and it, and it functionally is. Yeah, it still has the same functional effect, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all are pro- we're all problematic. We've all grown up and been indoctrinated by the patriarchy. So it's like, I do want to give Mo the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, like she's grown up and she's worked in Hollywood True. for a long time well, absolutely. now. And she's married to a white dude in Hollywood who has benefited from, um, uh, nepotism. Yeah. Nepotism. And, you know, no, and they know. work for an awful company, which, yeah. like, which like they just, I feel so vindicated, like just that, like a uh, Cena Grace, or, or uh, who has written a bunch of Iceman for Marvel since mm-hmm. try because they were trying to kind of like I think make right. There were a lot of criticisms that were justifiable when they made Iceman uh, gay. The way they they had the reveal come about, uh, Brian Bendis wrote the story and had the teenage Iceman because he had all this really weird, contradictory, nonsense time travel stuff mm-hmm. with where the teenage X Men were existing co. Uh, original team like uh were coexisting alongside the present day they were out outside of time and they were but but also like when one of the young ones uh had his heart stop the the uh, adult version of him temporarily disappeared like back to the future style and then they restarted <laughs> his heart and he appeared back instantly and it like it didn't make any sense because it was like well they can't go back to their original time and this never happened before but they're also the same ones so and it's like weird. it's like he just didn't he didn't even think it through but in the story he like because fans had wanted Iceman had in headcanon for Iceman to have been gay and closeted and all of his relationships with women had all been him being confused or in denial or whatnot uh but like this headcanon of him being gay like Ben disliked this idea so mm-hmm. the way he introduced it was having a teenage uh Jean Grey read his mind and then tell him oh you're gay 
<laughs> and he goes, what? No, I'm not. And he goes, yeah, you are. Why don't you just admit it, Bobby? I'm like, it, 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 he was rightfully criticized quite a bit. So the previous editor-in-chief, Axel Alonso, hired Cena Grace, a gay man, to write a bunch of Iceman stuff and try to kind of make it. He had the adult Iceman basically dealing with, like, hey, you know, I'm gay, and the teenage me helped me realize it, and that's okay. And, like, and it, they were very well-received and well-written stories, and basically he just wrote this big uh, public piece about, in this interview, about how he uh, was totally sold, like, just a line of bullshit under the new regime with uh, uh, C.B. Sibolsky. Like, they just kind of, like, didn't really support him at all. I think something was described as too gay or, whatever, or like, they can't make mm-hmm. him too gay or it won't sell or whatever. Like, it's just all really preposterous stuff. And, like, I feel really vindicated because I always really liked Axel. And, and it's just clear. Like, you look at the stuff that happened under him the creation of Miles Morales and, and Riri Williams and all this stuff. And like, they're really this big push, uh, you know, Sam Wilson becoming, uh, Captain America, which now they're going to do in the movies, like all mm-hmm. this stuff, the whole, the whole run of Hawkeye, uh, with Kate Bishop, you know, like yeah. all, all this stuff happened under his watch. And now all this shitty shit is happening with the guy who uh, pretended to be a Japanese man. Uh, uh. Surprise. 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 So, yeah, like, 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 there's bad stuff at Marvel in general, and I want to like them and support them for all the good stuff. And the film side is better, I think, in the trying to get better, but it's still not perfect. And like, yeah. so like you said, and so we, I don't give her a complete pass. I think it's just wanting to hope there's more to it, maybe. And yeah, I don't know. Well, we just, I, I feel like it's still a system like she, you know, she is the showrunner, but she doesn't have complete control over everything, you know, like there's Jeff true. And, and there's, absolutely you know, there's, there's a, you know, a board that she has to answer to and that Jeff Loeb has to answer to. Well, they have, and then they have a network that's separate yeah. from them that they have uh, to listen to. And they have to listen to all their stupid people who have, yeah. have, have something to say. Yeah. And I think that even though, like I don't, I honestly don't believe. Like, like I don't think Jaying, even though there was definitely fridging aspects to it, I don't think that's what it was. And when we talked about it, like there's more to it than that. Yeah. You can kill a woman and have it affect multiple characters, including a man, and not, and that is doesn't have to necessarily be uh, what happens. Although, unfortunately, I think Jaying's a bad example because I think they already did it. Yeah, it was a it was a fake out. Yeah, yeah they are. They already did it once. So it's like. It's a really bad example, but then but all of that happens all the time in comics, where yeah. they fake out that shit too, which is just gross. But but I do think like there are there are times that women die and they aren't fridged. Like I don't think, but but I think that far too often that is the case. Like like even just thinking, what's the name of a uh, of Lucy Lawless's character? Yeah, uh, like Hartley. Like Hartley's death is basically yeah. done to motivate like, like a little bit Bobby, but mostly Hunter and Mac. And it's yeah. like, that's preposterous. I know. Like, like that sucks. And, and it sucks. she was supposed to be a queer character too. <laughs> so. yeah, whose partner died. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's like literally like, it's like, <sighs> they're well-intentioned and, and, but like, even though I, I want to uh, give them some benefit of the doubt, I like they're clearly not without, uh, fault like you said like for all sorts of reasons and yeah. nobody's impervious no matter how well intentioned and i think yeah. that we we both 
in addition to wanting to give them a chance and listening to the, you know, you know, not, not writing them off ahead of time or unjustly. I think we also, uh, I don't know. We, we, we're not going to give them any crazy passes just because we like them, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. Well, and also like it takes work, like, like consistent, like self introspective work to like, overcome so many of these biases and like you know that's not going to happen overnight and I feel like you know like like you said like Marvel on the film side is doing a lot better but it's taken how many years and it's like shield is is still a part of this system and you know everything's problematic like nothing is gonna be without some form of white it's a it's within a white supremacist system so nothing is going to be without that and I feel like this writing team and the showrunners try really hard to do a good job of being aware of that, but they're not going to, they can't catch everything. You know what I mean? Like you're still, everybody, you're still going to have blind spots. Like, cause you have to work at it. You have to like, they don't have like a, a, a group of people that are like essentially sensitivity readers for the show. You know what I mean? Like that are like, Ooh, that angle is kind of bad. We should change that. Like they don't have that. You know, it's, it's just whoever's in the writer's room and whoever, you know, directing and editing. And, and we know that there are people who are involved at a high level care about that stuff, but they have yeah. so many things to think about and so many, you know, irons in the fire all the time. Yeah. And like, like you said, like, like, uh, you know, it's getting better, but it, you know, it's not perfect. And, I think that, you know, I mentioned before the network thing, it's like, there's so many more masters to answer to yeah. like in terms of, 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 of like, but like a hierarchy, you know, like there's so many people above them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like in the film side, it's just Marvel studio. They don't have yeah. to answer to anyone else. Like, like sure. Disney has some input, but it's not the same, you know, yeah. it's like, but there's so many people, there's so many people uh, that I think that, just will potentially mess things up it's even harder to give them really the benefit of the doubt even though it is like uh you know i guess that you know they say film is more of a like the director side even though it is mm-hmm. the showrunners and the writers medium and, and television mm-hmm. they still are they only have so much power especially yeah. on network television like, like yeah. it's not hbo they don't have carte blanche well that might be a good thing <laughs> that's that's true <laughs> like, even the ones that like god <laughs> you're not wrong uh, there game of thrones shade throne <laughs> well i was thinking anything like even yeah. like the best of it it's just like <laughs> i think i think essentially like we can love all of this media like we do love all of this media we love stuff that's problematic but is i think as long as we keep drawing attention to the stuff that is problematic and should be different i think that's why we're here and that's why we do this that's why we have a podcast <laughs> well i just wish that like i, I like I, I dislike that there's sometimes the interpretation that like you don't like something or that you're being hateful because we wanted to hold stuff to higher standards like it's like that's yeah. i think it's because we like it and because we want it to be better and you look at something like you look at, at a bunch of stuff that's good that goes on like shield or like uh i don't know like like um my my friend Brendan Hay who I uh, worked with a little bit when I worked in comics and who he was the showrunner on uh 
Star Wars detours, <laughs> which <laughs> probably probably never air, which is just amazing. They finished like like twenty one episodes or something. Finished like they're done, and like another like twenty are like almost done. There's like forty one written and like a bunch in like partially like almost ready to go. It's it's insane how much of that is like produced, and he got paid for. Yeah, and like it's just, and but like to someone like him, it's kind of depressing. Someone who grew up like loving Star Wars, it's like I got to make Star Wars with George Lucas, and it will never ever air. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but but and it gets so much shade when literally it was George. Yeah, he's like Robot Chicken's gonna do it. We'll do it. We'll just do it ourselves. <laughs> and like, but but uh, anyway, he has a show. Uh, it's based on old uh, Harvey comics, like uh, which is this old like. Like, like almost like uh, they they did Casper and Richie Rich and that stuff, uh, like very, just very like kid friendly comics, mm-hmm. uh, an old Harvey comics based uh, uh car- cartoon, and it's based on an old uh comic book that was a collection of all the the female led comic strips that Harvey produced, and it was called the Harvey Street Girls, and the first season Netflix was like we can't call it that, so they called the Harvey Street Kids, and this season it's called I think subtitled like the harvey street kids but it's the harvey street girls again <laughs> and but like uh he he's co-created it with uh, a female animator like they both work in animation and whatnot and like they've made sure like the the cast is predominantly uh you know women and that the uh writer's room and all the production and whatnot is at least parody if it's not if it's not a majority of women it's at least half women mm-hmm. and it's like that doesn't happen by accident yeah. like, like, like you can't that shit doesn't just happen. Like you have to be mindful. Somebody has to say, I am a white man. I'm going to make sure I work with a lot of people who don't look like me. Yeah. Don't come from the same background as me. Like, like that, that, that doesn't just happen by accident. Like, Oh, I lucked out and everything's diverse. Like you have to like, <laughs> you have to make an effort and yeah. that and it shows when they do shit is better. Like I, I'm so proud of kids like programming right now because it just is feels yeah. like they're doing better than adult programming yeah no it does um for many many reasons <laughs> many reasons um yeah i don't know i just like you said it's it's giving criticism and 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 you know drawing attention to things that need to be different it doesn't reflect how we feel about it. We love the stories. We love the characters. We love how these shows make us feel and how much they hurt us and how good it is, but we still can ask for better. And I think that's, that's what this comes down to. So you're not going to find, you're not going to find a perfect piece of media. Like it's just this. Yeah. Yeah, Ever. Like, even if like, like, I think in like, let's, let's like blue sky, like, like super optimistic. Let's say in a million years, the patriarchy globally has been completely dismantled. <laughs> like, like white supremacy, like there's no trace of it in any society like uh, on earth. Media and art and whatnot is not dictated by capitalism for its own purpose. It's still none of it's going to be perfect or not problematic, even yeah. from people who are mindful and thoughtful, because we're not perfect or unproblematic creatures. Like, yeah. We're flawed, and I think we just we just have to, like you said, like just keep trying to hold everything ourselves, our art, our society, like to a higher standard, and just do better, and just yeah. keep trying to do better, like like learn, and 
acknowledge when we fuck up and and try and fix it. Yeah, that's really all we ask. <laughs> really all we ask. Um, I think that's all I have. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, they should have done better by Rosalind. <laughs> yes, they should. Well, we will we will get to that when we get there because uh, what a season left. I think she's. I think at the end of this season. Oh God. Yeah, I think she only has a season because in season four, that's when the May and Coulson romance starts to get obvious. Not no yeah. longer sub sub. I guess it's still subtexty, but not as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway uh where can people find you on the people can find me at i snow nothing on twitter and whatnot Uh, and you can find me at space jess with four s's in the jest you can find the podcast at project tahiti on twitter you can send us an email at project tahiti pod at gmail.com um you can listen to us on apple podcasts google play podbean and but why though podcast.com Thank you all very much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.